Proverbs chapter 23, if you would. We're going to teach in the, in the afternoon, I'm going to teach you on uh, New Testament, the, the history of the New Testament traditional text, which is obviously pre-King James. That's, that's, um, we're going to study that a little bit this afternoon, but this morning I really believe the Lord would have me to preach on this. I was doing my devotions in Proverbs chapter 23, and it's called A Sure Guide to Youth the fear of the Lord. And it really is a guide for all of us. It isn't just the youth, but I, I'm very concerned with the youth. As you know, they outnumber us. So I better be very concerned with them uh, because they are outnumbering us. And uh, But we want them to go on as we go into our graves someday and go home to be with the Lord, that they go on and serve the Lord and be faithful to God. Amen. So we want them to have a sure guide, don't we? We want them to understand what that is, and we'll explain that. And there's some warnings here. And I'm really going to probably periodically preach through the Proverbs uh, at different times. And there are so many good warnings here for raising our children. There's so many good warnings for young people and for us to instruct our young people. And us, to, and by the way, those principles are still good for us that we need them too. But these principles are very good. And these commands of the Lord are very good. And these are things that you and I are prone to do as even Christians, uh, We'll read the verses here. We're going to read uh, 23, 17 through 19. And we're really going to cover those verses uh, and, and the, the things that the Lord has for us here, which I believe will be helpful to all of us. Uh, you know, Solomon in his time, uh, he was the wisest man on earth, but, you know, he really did some foolish things. And God brought him back to that wisdom that he had given him because Solomon repented. We can see that in Ecclesiastes and the other books, his repentance and and, you know, uh, what the Lord showed him about his life and how he was miserable. He had everything in this world, but he was still miserable. And he was miserable without that sweet fellowship with the Lord and that guidance from God that he needed so badly. And that he rejected the guide of his youth, right, uh, for a while. And those women, those strange women took him, right? And, and his lust took him, but those strange women took him. And then he ended up doing some very bad things. And by the way, that can happen to Christians, too. Um, so, and, and I believe Solomon was a forgiven man. I believe he was a child of God. God said that he would not remove his grace from Solomon and, uh, and that, that he would keep him even though he sinned against him. Not like he did with Saul, right? He said that very specifically. He would chasten him as a son. And he did just that. And, uh, you know, Brother Paul and I, we were talking about that just a little bit about consequences, you know, for sin and things like that, that we know that they're, you know, that even in our lives you're forgiven, but there's still consequences. But whether it's our sin or somebody else's, there's still consequences, right, that, that happen. And Solomon went through the, Solomon didn't get away with anything. No one in this, no Christian in this life that's a born-again believer gets away with anything. God will chasten you as a son, and you won't, you, won't, you won't skate free on sin in this life as a Christian. Lost people, you know, they, they look like they do, and in some ways they do on this side. This is all the heaven they will have is on this side. Whatever grace that is, that is that general grace that God gives to all of human beings is all that they experience from God. The rest of it, they will go on to live in an eternity in the lake of fire if they do not get saved by the grace of God. So, but this is the worst that it gets for you and I as Christians. Whatever happens to us in this life, which is actually we're so blessed. We don't really have anything to complain about. But the worst of life, the worst of things that happens to us is the worst it's going to get here. We have an eternity with Jesus for, forever. 
And so this is the worst that it gets, whatever trials we have. And, and in, the, in the end of the verses here, uh, verse number 18, we'll look at that actually at the end of the sermon and, and look at what the Lord uh, shows us here through that. But uh, Proverbs 23, 17, let not thine heart envy sinners. Whew. Think about that one. Because how many times are God's people guilty of envying sinners? And even our youth are guilty of envying sinners. You know, they look at the world and they think, well, they got it better than us. They get to do all this stuff. It's easy to start to think that way or that you look at people in business or the other people that live by different principles and you look at them and you begin to envy them. Right. It's, it's in our hearts. We have to fight it. Let not, let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long for surely there is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut off who gets cut off the heathen get cut off right god cuts them all off at the end those that don't get saved they they're cut off they're cast away they're cut off right they're burned in the fire the bible says that's what happens to them but thine expectation shall not be cut off hear thou my son and be wise, and guide thy heart in the way. Father in heaven, Lord, we pray you'd bless us now. Help us to apply this to our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first command that we see here is, let not thine heart envy sinners. Do not envy the world, and do not envy wicked men. Do not envy the world and sinners. To not, not to envy is to do the opposite, is to fear God. To fear God means I do not envy the world because I fear God first. We are to walk and live in the fear of the Lord. We are commanded to fear God and to give him glory. And this is the whole duty of man. This is our whole duty. The whole duty of man is to fear God and to give him glory. That's, that's, you're to walk by that fear. Let not thine heart envy sinners, said one. We are often tempted to repine because the wicked prosper. When you see the wicked prosper, it's easy for you and I to look at that and say, you know what, why do they have it better? Or why do they have this? Or why do they have financially, they have this or they have that. And to look at their, at their lot in life and to think that there is something better about that. When you only have to come to the conclusion and understanding that's the best that they get. Wallowing in the filth of this world is the best that they have. Amen. The fear of the Lord within us is, to, is disturbed sometimes with envious thoughts, which will lead on to murmuring and to distrust of our Heavenly Father. Unless they be speedily checked. When you find yourself in discontent and you find yourself in envy for something that the world has, something that, that rich men have or something that wicked men have or sinners that they have, you better check that right away before it consumes you and takes you. Let not thine heart envy sinners. So foolish and ignorant are we that we lose our walk with God by fretting because of evildoers. We start to take missteps and we start to walk away. We don't lose our sonship, no, but our fellowship is, is disturbed. 
our peace is disturbed because of circumstances and because of looking at the world and looking at someone else's circumstances and comparing ourselves to those circumstances and comparing our situation to those circumstances. Proverbs 3.31 says, Envy thou not the oppressor and choose none of his ways. You're not to choose. This world is full of oppressors. And when you start to understand the wealth of this world and the riches of this world and the men that hold them, what do they end up being for the most part? Oppressors. Most of them are oppressors. Most of those harm others. Most of those live their lives like that. That's how they get what they have. Yeah. James chapter 4. We're warned in James chapter 4, verse number 4 and 5. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Lusteth to envy. It's a sharp warning because I'll tell you, something that can take you out of your walk with God, something that can disturb your fellowship with the Lord is to envy those that have something that you don't and to envy the world. And, and it, because in order to get that, you have to model yourself after them. And we're not, we're not supposed to be successful like they are in their eyes we're not supposed to do that we're not supposed to be our measuring stick is not what they have or what they do it's the scriptures we're to live by them success is following this book success is walking in the fear of the lord that if you end your days with nothing but success in the fear of the lord then you will be a successful man if your children see that you feared God all of your life, if they see that, if, if you've taught them that, if they've watched you that you feared God, then no matter what they do, you're still successful. Because you've showed them the fear of the Lord. And that's what children need to see. That's what this generation needs to see. They need to see the fear of the Lord. They need to see men and women walking in the fear of the Lord. They have to see that. You see, a man who has no conscience making money in your trade, said one, while you make none. Sometimes you think that your conscientiousness hinders you, and I hope it is nothing else. You see another person scheming and cheating to him. Honesty is mere policy. They'll work all Sunday, every Sunday, with no difficulty. For the word of God is nothing to them. They don't care. They don't fear God. It's not, it's not, it's their, it's their regular life. If they, if they miss Sunday, they, that's just regular. Not an exception, but regular. It's their life. It's not an ox in the ditch. It's not a problem like that. No, it's just, it's of little importance to them. They don't fear God. You cannot do as he does, and therefore you do not seem to get on as he does. Be it so, but let not his prosperity grieve you. There's something better to live for than mere money-making. If your life pleases God, let it please you. Amen. That's good advice, isn't it? Never envy the ungodly. Suppose God allows them to succeed. What then? You should no more envy them than you envy fat bullocks and ribbons which adorn them at the show. They are ready for the slaughter. That's Spurgeon, by the way. <laughs> 
Do you wish yourself in their place? The fate of the prosperous sinner is one to be dreaded. He is set on high to be cast down. Calves are fattened up to go to the slaughter. Hogs, right? That's what hogs do, right? They go to the slaughter. The world will pass away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. God warns us, let not thine heart envy sinners. We are to guard our hearts from envy, envy of other persons. We are to watch our spirits and our hearts. Teaching the young to learn principles of living is important. We have to teach them not to lust after the world and its ways. Sinners follow the God of this world. That is their pattern. It is their course. Ephesians 2 tells us they are set for the course of this world. They are on another course. So then we observe that what they do, we are warned against following. But be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. When we don't follow our hearts, it means we fear God. See, here's the danger. And we're going we're, we're to talk about this a few times here today, but here's, here's the danger. There is a difference in, in following your heart and following the fear and fearing the Lord. And many people get, to, get stuck in following their own heart's desires. And that's very dangerous. Following your heart will get you in trouble. You are to lead your heart. You are not to follow your heart. Amen. See the difference? You're to take the scriptures and you're to lead your heart. You're not to follow the whims and passions of your heart. You're to lead it by the Bible. It doesn't happen automatically. Some of you, for some reason, believe that, that, that it will happen automatically. Well, I'm saved, so autopilot my life goes in Christianity, and it's automatically going to do right. No. Your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You have to walk in the Spirit. That's why you're commanded to actually walk in the Spirit. Why? Because you don't naturally do that. You naturally walk according to the course of this world. That's the way it works. Your flesh doesn't want to do right. Ever. <laughs> Ever. It's the new man in Christ that wants to do right, that walks in the Spirit, that wants to live for God. It is the Spirit that God hath given you. It is the Holy Spirit of God inside of you that seals you under the day of redemption. That. So then I have to walk in the Spirit. It's not going to automatically happen. If it did, then you wouldn't be commanded to do it. How do I know that? Well, you're never, you're never commanded to be sealed with the Spirit. You are commanded to be filled with the Spirit, and that has to do with your walk. Right? But God does the sealing. He sealed your soul. The Holy Ghost is the seal, right? He sealed your soul. When you got saved by the grace of God, your soul is sealed. You don't, you don't, you don't do that. You can't do that. But what you can do is what God commands you to do. And what did he command you to do? Be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That you can do. That's why you're commanded to do it. Because God gave you the power to do it. Their present prosperity and happiness, some envy. The pleasure, the profit, and the honor they seem to enjoy. All which is but a shadow, fading and temporary. And yet good men are apt to envy it in their hearts. If they do not express it with their lips and are ready to murmur and think it hard that they should be straightened in circumstances while the wicked are in flourishing ones and inwardly fret and are uneasy at it, which they should not. 
For the wicked, heaven is here. All they have is here. Let the swine wallow in their husks and mud for now. It's all they have. The solemn, solemnly warn them, right? We solemnly warn the lost, but we do not envy them. We do not desire to be with them. We're to guide our hearts with the fear of the Lord as our guiding principle. That is what's to guide your heart. Your heart is not to guide you. You're not to follow your heart and do what your heart wants. One is the most passive and unmanly thing for a young man or even a young woman to do, to be given over to the passions of your heart. You are not to be given over. By the way, that's why as a lady, that's why you were given a husband or a father. Because passions will take a woman. Emotions will take a woman. Desires will take a woman. Don't get mad at me. That's what God said. That's what God designed. Eve was deceived being in the transgression. Because she was deceived by her emotions. She was deceived by what she wanted. The, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, yes, any man can be deceived as well, but women being emotional as they are and the beings that they are, they can be taken by their emotions and believe that they are right in doing it all the way. So that's why a man is supposed to guard the heart. He's supposed to guard his heart. A father is supposed to guard his wife's heart, or a husband is. A husband is supposed to guard his, his wife's heart. And a father is supposed to uh, guard his daughter's hearts. He's supposed to guard them. He's supposed to be a, watch, uh, a watcher on the wall to guard them and their emotional state and how they make decisions and what they do and what they allow and how, how vested their emotions get and everything else into something. You need to watch your children when you see even your children, even in innocent things that go on now in their lives, nothing to do with male, female things or anything like that. But you look and you watch their hearts and you watch how they how they handle different situations and you 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 think about it you pray about it and you look at their hearts to see how they are doing things you look at their actions that flow from their heart and you watch how they handle specific situations and you look for ways to teach them through those situations even with their siblings, as they're, as they're getting along with their siblings or not getting along with their siblings or how they're handling it, you watch, to, you look for them. You look for bitterness. You look for anger. You look for wrath. You look for them being over-invested emotionally in what somebody else says. And you try to help them to balance those things. Because one day, if you don't, they'll be taken by those emotions. They'll be taken by the passions of the heart and they'll be deceived by those passions and they will, they will not be following the word of God as principle, but their passions and their desires. And they don't have to be all sexual desires either. I'm talking about anger. I'm talking about foolishness. I'm talking about many things that you watch and you guard for and you try to help them through it. And show them that it's the fear of the Lord that is to guide their hearts, not their passions, not their desires. Same thing with you. If you're not, if you and I aren't careful, you'll let any passion that you have in your heart, be it, maybe it's not even inordinate, but you may, you may allow it to take you away from the will of God, right. out of walking with God. 
So you have to be careful with that, no matter what the passion is, whether it's anger, lust, wrath, malice, desires of the flesh. We are not to be passive, but we are to be to, to, to direct our hearts in the fear of the Lord. That's what's to be the governor, the fear of the Lord. In everything that you and I do, it's, it, it's walking in the fear of the Lord. That word envy, it means to feel uneasiness or mortification or discontent at the sight of superior excellence, reputation, or happiness enjoyed by another to repine at another's prosperity, to fret or to grieve oneself at the real or supposed superiority of another, and to hate him on that account. To envy. We're not to envy sinners. You're not to look at their life and think, well, I wonder what it'd be like if I just lived like that. Well, I can show you. Look in the Bible. Not your, not, not your foolish imagination. You just look in the Bible. I'll show you where the end of sinners are. It's hell. You want to go there? Well, if you follow their pattern, you'll go there. That was simple. That wasn't too hard, was it? No, that's real simple. That's just the truth. Friend, if you follow their pattern, that's where you'll end up. This world has many allurements for young and old, but especially the young. Right now, there, there's such an attack on young people in America today, whether it's the, the open pornography, whether it's the, whether it's the transgender movement, whether it's the, the mothers out of the home, whatever it is, all of those things are just an absolute assault on the youth. Why? Because they're raising up zombies of youth that have no principles, no fundamentals, no differences, no distinctions. They're just all one big melting pot of antichrist nonsense. That's what they're raising. No difference between male and female. There's more than two genders. All of those things. That's what they're doing today. That's how the children are being raised. They're being raised with that Disney teaching to follow your heart. That's how they're being raised. Just follow your heart. If you really want it, then you just follow it. That do what thou wilt, it shall be the whole of the law. Aleister Crowley philosophy of heart. It's just witchcraft is all it is. It's absolutely satanic. It's a satanic principle, and we're to be guided by the fear of the Lord, not by the whims and desires of the heart. You know, you can get a lot of silly and foolish desires in your heart. You really can be. And if you envy sinners, if you look at them, you'll end up following them. Verse number 19 in that text, I think it's 19. Maybe it is. Let me see here. Yep. Uh Verse number 19, hear thou my son and be wise and guide thine heart in the way. Do you see how the Bible is telling you that you have to guide your heart? That you can't let your heart, you can't let your desires guide you. You have to be guided by a set of principles. It's called the Bible. It's called the scriptures, right? And you have to be guided by the scriptures. You have to be guided by the Holy Spirit of God. That's your guide for your heart, not what you want. You better get it settled in your heart now that either you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Either you want to, either you want to be guided by the principles of scripture or you want to be guided by this wicked world and your whims and your desires and, and, and your lust. Because that, there's only two positions. One is Christ and one is Antichrist. There is no difference. I mean, there is no, there is no third option. That's it. There's Christ or Antichrist. Will I live by the principles of Scripture? Will my heart be guided by the principles of Scriptures? Or will they be guided by this world or my, my desires and what I want? That's what it comes down to. So then practically, that looks like this. I may want something in this life, but the godly authority that is over me does not believe it is right. 
so then I should submit to that and wait on the Lord. Or I may want something that is clearly against the will of God because I see sinners have it. And they have it earlier than me, it seems. That could be a wife, a husband, a car, a house, a job, success, or something like that. Or an ease of burden. And then I become absolutely envious. And I follow my envy right out the will of God to do what I want. Amen. Happens all the time, friend. Happens all the time to professing Christians and some Christians. They decide that, that they're going to follow the whims of their heart. And they're going to follow what they want. And then they end up going into that and being sorry because they look at life and they think that it was supposed to be a certain way. My marriage was supposed to be a certain way. My, my job was supposed to be a certain way. Being a mother or a father was supposed to be a certain way. Being married was supposed to be a certain way. Wait, uh, being, I should have been married by now, or, or I should have had this, or I should have had that, or I should have all these things. And they make those comparisons in their minds and their hearts. They become discontented, and they'll figure out a way to follow the whims of their heart instead of being guided by the Spirit of God. Instead of guiding their heart through the scriptures, they will, they will give over to the passions of their heart. That's very common. And what happens is you have now let your heart envy sinners. You become discontented greatly due to your envy and desire. Remember, Amnon had a friend, right? Man, he just, he wanted to follow his heart, right? So his friend told him, well, this is how you follow your heart. You can do it. Here, just do this. Oh, there's, there, you know what? We can put a thousand rules up. We can put blockades up. Man, we can stick you in a room by yourself in a padded cell somewhere. You're still going to sin. That ain't, that ain't going to stop you from sinning. You got to, your, your heart has to be changed. You got to want and desire the Lord. You got to do right. Man, I can put every block on every internet. I can put, I can't change the images that you create in your mind and lust after, can I? I can't stop that, can I? Amen. Come on now, that's real, ain't it? That's just real preaching right there. I can't stop the chambers of your imagery. I can't stop you from chambering wickedness and vileness in your mind and your heart. Amen. God can, though. Right? My son, give me thine heart. That's what has to happen. You've got to have a heart change, friend. You got to, and if you are saved, you got to follow the Spirit. You got to walk in the Spirit. You got to be guided by principles. Some of you think you look at the world's standards, you think, well, the world says I'm supposed to be here right now. So that must mean that I'm supposed to be here right now. It never dawned on you that they're a bunch of devils? And you're following after a pattern, a bunch of fools? What, you want the prosperity of fools? You think that's impressive to God? You think you're going to impress God when you stand there naked before Him? And you tell them about all your prosperity and everything you were able to do? Great. But you didn't fear God. Amen. Good growl. You didn't, you didn't fear God. Envy and desire running freely in our hearts can and will lead to sin. Our hearts are to be guided by the fear of the Lord, not guiding us. Your heart is not to advise you, but you are to give advice to your heart. And this thing about, well, man, I feel this and I, well, who cares? Why don't you just tell yourself what you're supposed to do? You take that book and you say, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what God's commanded me to do. 
What does it matter what you feel about it? Or how you feel about it in that sense? You, this is your guide. Your guide is not supposed to be your emotions or how I, how do I feel about this command of God? Probably not very good sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Probably not very good. How do I really feel about loving my neighbor sometimes? Well, probably not very good. Doesn't matter though, does it? Am I guided by my feelings and my emotions or am I guided by the word of God? Do I speak to my heart and say, you will follow God. This is God's way and we will obey him. See the difference? One is the most unmanly, passive and weak spirituality. One is extremely passive, excuse ridden. Gives you all the excuses to be a, a, a whiny little baby in a corner somewhere that doesn't have to follow God and be obedient. Because after all, I'm such a victim to my circumstances. Don't you feel sorry for me? No! Get up! Amen. And do what you're supposed to do. Quit you like men and be strong. You don't have a right to sit like you're some abused little child in the corner getting beat by a baseball bat. Stop making excuses and stand up and do what's right. You speak to your own heart and you direct your own heart through the scriptures. You don't become extremely passive spiritually and allow your, your heart to trample you and sit around as some kind of a victim of circumstances. So all I can do is just sit around and whine all day. Wonderful. That's going to go well for your spiritual walk. It's going to help a lot of people that way. Why don't you just get up and quit whining and go help somebody? Amen. How about you do that? Amen. Well, I don't feel like it. There you go again, worrying about that. Yep. Right? The altar of feelings. The idolatry of feelings. Well, I have to feel right for it to be right. No, I have to do right. <laughs> does it, does it, I have to do right. You understand that takes precedence over how you feel about it, right? Man, I hope you do. I hope you understand that. God will, if you don't, God will teach you that. He will take, he'll let those emotions pick you up and body slam you about 300 times until you realize, wow, I'm never going to feel like this, 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 and this. No, you're not. So you better just do right. <laughs> You'll get that sometime. We cannot be led by our hearts. We have to, we have to lead our hearts. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. See, you're, to, you, you don't, you're not like a victim of circle. Well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I do. Obey God. There's the book. Follow it. Right? There's not some secret mystery to that. It's very plain. Live for God. <laughs> that's, that's just, follow the scriptures. Walk in the spirit. Right? That's, it's, not, it's not a deep mystery. No, there's got to be some really deep secret mystery thing that I'm missing here. No, it's not. It's not like the Colonel's secret recipe. Okay? It's not, really. God made it real simple for you. Follow him. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how simple he made it. There's no mystery to that. The mystery is why you're not doing it. That's the mystery. <laughs> Maybe not, but <laughs> it's not a mystery, but it... That's, that's more of a mystery. It's like, why in the that, that That'll make you scratch your head like, how come I keep doing this? 
See, we see the same principle from Proverbs laid down over and over again for us to understand. We're told to guide our own heart in the way so as not to be guided by our passions and emotions. By the way, if you are not guiding your own heart in the way, then you are being led by it. You're being led by your your desires. You're being led by your emotions. And the quickest way for you to give over to sin is to be led by your heart. It's, I mean, it's the quickest way because it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So, yeah, I mean, it's deceit. Like, no one deceives us like our own heart does. No one. I mean, you could tell me a lie. You could tell me a whopper and you could deceive me. But I know in my life, I've told my own self more lies than anybody else has ever told me. Amen. That's just true. Lie to yourself. Uh-huh. Amen. Such warnings are given multiple times in the scriptures. Hear and be wise concerning our hearts, not to be guided by them. Such strong warnings to be guided by the word of God so we do not fall. So we do not fall to our own hearts. I'm not so concerned as you fall into a, 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 a fast-talking, shyster guy that comes in here. I'm more concerned for you young ladies to be deceived by your own heart. Or you young men to be deceived by your own heart. Well, they, they talked me into this. Well, that, that could possibly happen. But you had to somewhere leave the, lead the, leave the guide of your youth in order for that to happen. Right? I had to somewhere along the way leave biblical principle for that to happen. I had to somewhere leave the guide of my youth and, and turn away from that guide in order for that to happen. Right? I had to disobey somewhere. I did something. Because if I leave it up to my sin is Joshua's fault. Man, that's, that's, that's pretty good, right? If I, I can blame Joshua for all my sin, man, I can feel really good about that. Right? I, or I can blame Brother Paul for my sin. Right? And he can blame me for his, right? We can blame each other. But at the end of the day, guess what? us we ain't getting out of nothing we left biblical principle somewhere in order to do that we we left the guide that god has given us what he's told us right we'll be guided by our emotions and awful young people if i let my wants my desires my emotions guide me i set myself up for awful failure in this life heartache pain suffering and turmoil i should never do that don't be guided, be guided by absolute truth. It will never fail you. This book, this King James Bible right in front of you, will absolutely never fail you. You and I will fail at times, but this book will never fail us. It will always have the answer that we need. It will always give us what we need. Psalm 119, verse number 9. Actually, let's turn to Psalm 119 because we'll be in there for about four or five verses here. Three or four. Psalm 119.9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. This book, with my whole heart have I sought thee. That means what it was my it's my guide in life. It's thus saith the Lord, not, not what do I feel like. Verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What is that? It's your guide. 
It's the guide that God has given you. It's the word of God. It's our guide to guide us through this life. Psalm, one th- uh, Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. You ever just taken the word of God and sat there and said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have. I've taken that book and I've sat there and said, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Or I've been praying and said, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, if you ask God to show you, he'll show you. He'll teach you. He'll guide you. His word is there for you to do that. That's why he gave it to you. There's no better guide. He is the two witnesses, the witness of the word and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Those are your two witnesses. Psalm 25, 9, the meek will he guide in judgment and the meek will he teach his way. It's how you approach it that matters. Amen. See, I, I already, I approached this book by the grace of God and, and God put that in me as a little boy, but I approached this book as the perfect infallible word of God. This one in front of me, this one, not some other book that people like to talk about, like James White and everybody else that they don't really have it. They can't show it to you. Well, I can show it to you. It's right here. This book. I'm talking about in every word of this book. Right? Every word. It's a buckler and a shield. So it, it protects me and keeps me. It lights my way. It tells me which way I should go. This is the guide of my life. You have to decide, children, is this going to be the guide of your life or is it your heart that's going to guide your life? My heart's desire is for you at a young age. Man, if it be possible, my heart's desire for Gideon at his age, right, amen, that this would be the guide of his life, that this would always be the guide of his life, that, that this, would be, this book would be more important than anything else in his life. Amen? Isn't that what we want? More so in their generation than even in ours, right? That, they would, that the scriptures, this book, would be the guide of their life for everything that they do. And everything that you and I do, that this is the guide of our life. Like, well, I don't care what anybody else says. Right? The, the whole world says everything's heliocentric. Right? Says that, and we say what? We don't care. This book says this. This book says it's geocentric. So we, this is, we don't care what they say. Like, we laugh at them when they say that. We look, and God laughs at them and has them in derision. They, they, they war against it, man. Just like when they war against this book and we sit around and we laugh at them and they say, a better word is this, a better translation is this, a better, all this other funny stuff. And we just, I just look at them and laugh. I'm like, really? Great. Great story. Just moving on to the file of fiction, right? Because they don't, they don't have an authority. See, I have one and I mean it. When I tell you it's this book, I mean it. I mean this one, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about something else. I'm talking about this one right here. Like, I, I don't speak in, like, parables to you. I'm speaking plain speech to you with plainness of speech that I believe it's this book is the final authority for everything, right? Like, we don't, we don't, we, we want you to understand that, like, that, that I, I absolutely, I believe in the superiority of the King James Bible. I preach it. I believe it. If I believe there is a superiority in the Greek text, I'd be in a lot of trouble because I can't read it. But, but if I did, 
I'd preach it. Why? Because I wouldn't be a hypocrite. Would I? I'm not going to tell you one thing and believe another. No, I believe it's here. This is my authority. This is what I, this is, my whole life is invested in this. Like, unapologetically. Like, I, without, like, you can't shame me with that. But you actually believe that about that? You believe it's inspired? You Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all, all of it. All, all of it. All of it that you want to make fun of me about, all of it. And that too, that part that you, you believe that's real too? Yep, that part. Yeah. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. Yeah, the whole thing. Yep. You better be like that too. So then when your children look at you, they actually believe you have an authority. Right? They know it. Right? And if they go off in sin, you know what they say? Well, you know what though? Mom and dad, they believe that book right there. Right? That's, that's right. Real fun. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's exactly. And, and without without any apology, without any movement, Amen. without any hindrance, without any hesitation. It's just what plain and simple. Because you know what? I want to be able to take you back to something. I don't ever want to preach this book and make you think that, well, there's something in it that's not perfect. Boy, I'd be in a lot of trouble, wouldn't I? Right. I'm not the type of guy that can pastor like that. I'll be honest with you. I can't. I got to be able to point you to perfection Amen. and tell you where to get it. That's right. how it is, friend. That's how it is. And I believe that's what, that's what, but that's why I can stand with conviction before you. And, and I believe that, right? right? And that's why my life by God's grace shows that, that I believe that. Right. And your life shows it that, yeah, we believe it. Right. We ain't budging. We don't care what any of our friends say or anybody else says. <laughs> we just, this is it. This is where our lot's cast, right here. We ain't moving. Right? Until God takes us home. Philippians 3.18 For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Whose God is their belly. They're driven by their, their wants, their passions, their desires, their appetites. It doesn't have to just be food or anything like that. It's just everything. It's, it's, the, it's the core of a man. It's who he is. His heart, his passions are given over to that, right? They're driven by that. Like, whatever makes you happy, just do it. Boy, you want to you get into some trouble. Just take that philosophy on for three seconds. Whatever makes you happy, you'll end up dead. Or you wish you were dead. Or somebody else would be dead. Because of your foolishness. Psalm 31, 3, For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Who's the guide? Christ. His word. He's our guide. Perfect guide. Psalm 48, 14, For this God is our God forever and ever. And he will be our guide even unto death. Right up to the gates, if we're going to die and our heads are going to be lopped off or we're going to be blown up or whatever, or dismembered or whatever, all the way up there, all the way my Savior leads me. <laughs> Amen. Follow, follow, follow. You have to choose either the fear of the Lord as your guide or your emotions or your heart's desires. Remembering, children, that the heart is deceitful. It's above all things desperately wicked. Psalm 73, 24. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. You know, that's the Christian's life. That's my life. 
right now. That's your life. If you're a child of God here, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. Where is it? Here. It's not something in my mind that I hear voices or I think God speaking to me through visions and all. No, this is the counsel of the Lord that standeth sure. This book, this, this is our counsel. Amen. It's good stuff, isn't it? And afterward receive me to glory. Proverbs 2.17, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. You want a strange woman, that's what she did. She forsook the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. God is the guide of our youth. The words of God are are our guides. It's not about what we want or what we understand. Psalm 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and morrow to thy bones. Amen. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Don't expect God to direct your paths if you're not acknowledging him. Now, he will one way or another. (laughs) I mean, he's gonna. But the point is, it can be done wonderfully. (laughs) It can be done peacefully. It can be done with joy of the Holy Ghost. Or you'll go one way or another. (laughs) Right? But look what it says here. It says your trust is in the Lord. And you're not leaning on your own understanding. You're commanded not to. Don't lean on your own understanding. I don't care how wise you, you and I think we are. We need God's word. We need the scriptures. We need the guidance of the Holy Ghost. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. All. There is nothing in this Christian life that is left out of this, in, in this life that is left out of uh, this Christian life. There's nothing. Everything in your life has to do with your faith. How you act, how you walk, how you work, how you talk, how you take care of your family, how you love one another, how we do all those things. Everything. There's like, we don't have a portion of our life that God's not in it. You know, we're not Sunday Christians in that sense where we just, we go to church on Sunday and then, and then six days a week we live like hell. We better not be. Amen. No. It means that what does our text verse say in Proverbs 34, 17, or excuse me, 23, 17. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. That means at work, I'm in the fear of the Lord. That means when I'm at play, I'm, at, I'm in the fear of the Lord. That means when I'm driving down the road, I'm in the fear of the Lord. That means that, that I'm walking in the fear of the Lord all my days, all day long, every day, all day. That's our lives. We walk in the fear of the Lord. That's what we do. Amen. John 16, 13. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. That's the Holy Ghost. He, he's the comforter. He gives you that. He guides you into all truth. How does he do that? Not by voices and visions and everything else, by this book. He might use other things. God can use anything he wants to. But the point is, is that primarily you're to be looking at this book. You're to be getting guidance there. Or, you know, God may use other 
God-fearing brothers and sisters in Christ to help you along the way as well. But God's going to, the advice better be biblical. It better be from the book. Otherwise, it's not God's advice. It better be from the words of God. So the question is, am I guided by my wants or by the will of God and the word of God and the spirit of God? How do I know this? I know it by following the revealed will of God found in my Bible. I have one authority, clear and true, and the spirit and the word go hand in hand. The fear of the Lord is our guide. Proverbs chapter, we're going to finish up with some verses on the fear of the Lord here. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. The fear of the Lord, says one, is a brief description for true religion. It is an inward condition betokening hearty submission to our heavenly father. It consists very much in a holy reverence of God and a sacred awe of him. This is accomplished by a childlike trust in him, which leads to loving obedience, tender, tender submission, and lowly adoration. It is a phileo fear, not the fear which hath torment, but that which goes with joy when we rejoice with trembling. Right? That's in awe of thy word. That's how we approach God's word. You know, you, a man, you can tell if a man has the true fear of God, right? When he approaches the scriptures, what he believes about him, whether he fears God or not. You can tell by when you bring the word of God to somebody, if a Christian, a professing Christian is not living right, and you bring the scriptures to them, whether they fear God or not. Amen? Whether, whether you fear, you know, right? You know, what I'm, you know that you fear God. You know when you have the fear of God in you, you know what that means. And by the way, that doesn't mean you have all smiles on your face. It's, it's re to rejoice with trembling, right? We, there's some trembling when we, when we come to God's word. The Bible says God hears that those that are contrite and that tremble at his word. To be disobedient with God ought to shake you up. To see the clear word of God preached to you and the truth preached to you, it ought to shake you up when you're not right with God. It ought to bother you. If it doesn't, you don't fear God. You don't fear him. Fearing God. Oh yeah, you'll be shaken. I don't mean you have to start crying, but you're ready to obey. You're convicted over what God has shown you, and you want to be right with him. Amen. Proverbs 125 through 33. Wow, I did a lot there. That's good, though. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 25 through 33. But ye have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as a desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me 
shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Amen. Whoso hearkeneth unto me, what does that mean? They fear God. They hearken unto his words, right? They fear God. They hear it preached and they fear God's word. They read it, the scriptures, and they fear God's word. They have their, their, heart, their heart trembles at it. They look at it, it's like they bow to it. That's the fear of the Lord, when you bow to God's word, when you bow to the truth that's being given to you. Amen. The very words of God. Proverbs chapter 2, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. God is our shield. God said to Abraham, I am thy exceedingly great reward, my, thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. That's what he said. Same for you and I. That's the fear of the Lord. Do you fear, do you fear the Lord? Do you have that fear and, and, and reverential respect for the Lord and for his word and for the truth of it and how it impacts your heart and life? It shows that in a hearty submission to the will of God, a hearty submission to what it says. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. David said he, or, uh, Solomon said he hated the, the, the evil and the pride and the arrogancy and the evil way, and the perverse mouth, the froward or the perverse mouth do I hate. That's what that word forward means. It means perverse, perverse mouth. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You know, people search all over the world for knowledge and understanding. They search everything, and it's all found in the Word of God right here. It's all found right here. It's in Christ, our hidden all, all the blessings, all the, all the knowledge and understanding is hidden in Christ. It's all in this book right here if you want it. It's there, amen? For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. You ought not scorn the word of God. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. Think about that. But if you scorn, you alone are going to bear that scorning. He tells us, what a foolish woman looks like as well in Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord, verse number 27, is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. I'll tell you what, you'd rather have what God has for you and have little to nothing on this earth 
but you will be full with the presence of God and his power and, and, and the family that he gives you and the goodness that he gives you. No king on earth eats better than the child of God when it comes to spiritual things. Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Proverbs 16, 6, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged by mercy. See that? That's God. That's who purges iniquity, doesn't he? It's the mercy of God that our sins are forgiven by Jesus Christ. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. See that? By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. That's how they, that, that's how men do it. You know what? You're saved by grace, right? By the mercy of God. And then when you get saved, you get that truth, right? And by the fear of the Lord, you depart from evil. When you fear God, you'll depart from, you know, you tell me you fear God. Well, it'll show in your life if you fear God. You'll depart from evil. You'll depart from wickedness. You'll keep as far away from it as you can. That's to fear God. Don't pretend like you fear God if you want to live in sin. You're not fearing God. Amen. Proverbs 22, 4, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the froward, but he that, he that, but he do, he that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Let the fear of God be always before thine eyes and in thine heart. Be continually in the exercise of fear, which is attended with faith and trust in the Lord, with love and affection to him, and joy and delight in him. Be constantly employed in the duties of your faith, private and public, which the fear of God includes. And this will be a preservative from envying, murmuring, and fretting at the outward happiness of wicked men and from the joining with them in their evil ways. We must be in the fear of the Lord, said one, as in our employment, exercising ourselves in holy adornings of God, in subjection to his precepts, submission to his providences, and a constant care to please him. We must be in it as in our element, taking a pleasure in contemplating God's glory and complying with his will. We must be devoted to his fear and governed by it as our commanding principle in all we say and do. All the days of our life, we must constantly keep up in the awe of God upon our spirits. Must pay a deference to his authority and have a dread of his wrath. We must be always so in his fear as never to be out of it. A good reason for both of these surely is the end, the expectation and the end of our lives when we see Jesus on, after we leave this earth. There is an end also of the prosperity of the wicked. Therefore, you and I are not to envy them. There will be an end of your afflictions. Therefore, be not weary of them. There's an end of your service on this earth to your work and your warfare, and it will be accomplished one day. Perfect love will shortly cast out fear, and thy expectations of the reward not only will not be cut off or disappointed, but it will infinitely be outdone. The consideration of the end will help us to reconcile to all the difficulties and discouragements we have along the way as we serve God. But be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. It's a cure for fret. It must be used constantly. 
Men must wake with God, walk with God, and lie down with Him, and be in communion with Him and conformity unto Him. This is to be in heaven beforehand. Like Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Why should it not be said the same of us, that we walked with God and then we were not, for God took us? Amen. This can never be our condition except as the fruit of the new birth. To be in the fear of the Lord, you must be born again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We are taught therein by the Holy Spirit, who is the sole author of all our grace. Where this fear exists, it is a token of eternal life, and it proves the abiding and dwelling of the Holy Ghost. Happy is the man that feareth alway. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him. This holy fear of the living God is the life of God showing itself in these quickened children. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. You know, the end of the worldling's prosperity. He makes his money, then he makes more money. What then? He makes more money. He dies and there's little notice of his death. He died worth so much that this world has to offer anyway. But he never kept it. He ended up giving it to his heir. And who knows how he'll spend it. Right? There is an end in death and after death the judgment. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. What an end that will be for the sinner. They may live as carelessly as they please, but he must answer for it at the judgment. Loud may be his laughter. Sarcastic and bitter may be his criticisms upon Christians, but there is an end, and when the death sweat beads his brow, he will lower his key and need help from that very gospel which he criticized. There is an end. Let us not spend our lives for that which hath an end. An immortal soul should seek immortal joys. To you there is an end in quite another sense. God has an end in your present trouble. Your difficulties and your trials are sent as messengers from God with gracious design. Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long, for every part of the day hath its tendency to work out your spiritual education, your preparation for the heaven to come in everything that happens to you. Your heavenly Father has an end. God has intricately designed our lives. Our steps are ordered by the Lord, the good ones and the bad ones, all designed by God. He knoweth our way. There's an old proverb that you should never let children and fools see half-finished works. Even so, the work of God in providence cannot be judged of by such poor children as we are, for we cannot see to the end of the Lord's design. My brethren, when we see the end from the beginning and behold God's work complete, we shall have a different view of things from what we have now while the work is still proceeding. It's not finished yet. It's that Romans 18, 8, 18 cake, right? Or Romans 8.28 cake, right? We don't know how it's going to end. It doesn't taste good yet, but it's not all finished. You who live in the fear of the Lord, your expectations shall not be cut off. You will receive a full reward, but the, the wicked loss shall be cut off. If you're here and not saved, the Bible says you shall be cut off. Things that are cut are not good in the Bible. You're cut off and cast into the fire. 
shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. They were cut to the heart at the preaching of Peter and others. Paul, and they, they ran upon Stephen and killed him, right? Because they were cut to the heart. If you've never repented and believed the gospel, hell awaits you for your sin. It's a fiery indignation that awaits the child that rejects the person that rejects the Lord, that rejects this so great a salvation that has been offered them, that turns away from the Lord and would not have Him to rule over them. You know, when I was a lost religious man, I lived envious of sinners. I lived in secret that I couldn't do things that other people did. Now, there's a temptation for all of us to do that. I'm not saying that's a determining factor, but I actually went out and did those things that, that, and lived like that, right? Because I wanted the sin. My heart wasn't changed. I didn't fall into any sin. I wanted sin. <laughs> I wanted to hold God with one hand and hold sin with the other and, and, uh, and betray my Lord, and that's exactly what I did and, until the Lord brought me to a place of repentance and faith. The Holy Spirit of God convicted my heart of my lost condition that that's not the child of God. And he saved my soul by the gospel of Jesus Christ and made me a new creature. Then he gave me a heart to follow him and his ways, right? And to see the fe- and to have the fear of the Lord, to fear God. It's a sure sign of a child of God that fears God. It has a reverential awe for him and understands that he's to be obeyed above all else. And for that book right there. But after the Lord saved me, God enabled me to be able to follow him. He gave me the power. You can't follow Jesus without the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you'll try, but you'll be miserable. You won't, you won't be able to do it. There'll be an end to that, right? Until the Lord saves you and changes you and makes you a new creature. He gives you a spirit, right? All by his grace, all by his love, all by his mercy shown to sinners, Right? He shows you your dire need for Christ, that you must be born again. You must be forgiven of your sins. And then Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice, the atonement that was made for sin, paid in full by Jesus Christ. And God hath commanded all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel, that you must repent before you die and go to a devil's hell. Life is short. Sin is all-consuming. It can take you and destroy you and kill you. Sin brings forth death, and you know not what day your death is. Turn to Christ now and believe Him. If you have believed Him, then remember the fear of the Lord in all your decisions that you make. Remember it in everything, that you're not your own, but you're bought and paid for with a price. You're not allowed to make decisions outside of the Scriptures and be right with God. Yeah, God gives you, you have, you have the opportunity to make poor decisions. <laughs> right? That doesn't mean you're supposed to. God has commanded you to follow His Word and to follow the fear of the Lord in every decision that you make, in every action that you take, in every decision for life, who you marry, uh, you know, where you work, what you do, all of those things, how you lead your family, the order of your home, all those things. All of those things are, are, are given to you. You're to follow the fear of the Lord always and to fear God and to give Him glory. By the way, that's why you were saved. You were saved that your life would give glory to God. 
So then the lamb would receive the rewards of his suffering. That's why you were saved. So Jesus would receive the rewards of his sufferings in your life. Amen. That it would be shown that Jesus saves. Hallelujah. What a savior. What a life we get to live. Amen. Think about that. We have a guide. The world has nothing. They're guided by their own passions and emotions and desires. We have a guide. We don't walk in darkness. We have a guide. You may walk in some depression and some discouragement sometimes, and that may last a long time, but you still have a light there. You still have guidance. His, his word is still sure. His word is still true, and it will still guide you all the way home, right? Through death's dark valley, through the valley of shadow of death, wherever you go, God's word will guide you. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the words. Thank you for the truth. Help us to walk in the fear of the Lord. Help us to follow it all the day long. Thank you, Lord, that your Holy Ghost puts that in us when we get saved by the grace of God. We fear God. Not a slavish fear like we're going to get thrown into hell, but a fear of disappointing our Father in heaven who loved us so much, who sent his Son to die for us. Help us, Father, please. Help us not to disappoint you. Help us to be good sons, to walk in love and the spirit of holiness. Help us not to turn to our flesh and our whims and our heart's desires. And help us to follow you. Bless the time we have together, Lord. Bless the food to our bodies. Bless the fellowship that we have. Please provide for all of our needs. Help us to love one another in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.